Welcome back to another episode of Dev Shop Stories, where we start off with a story or an experience that we've had at Red Sky Engineering, and we discuss some of the key takeaways that helped us make it to a better dev shop. In this story, we're going to talk about a client that was brought to us from a key partner of ours. And the original introduction was that they had been working with a different dev shop for over a couple of years to make an e-commerce site for their network marketing company. And they were basically failing to launch. They were over budget, they were over time, and they just had to get something delivered. They've been promising their customers, their clients, all about this new e-commerce site and how it's going to solve all their problems and everything. But just that dev shop was just not delivering. And so we actually got brought in to try to see where is the real situation at. You remember that first meeting, Tanner? Yeah, yeah, it was it was pretty interesting. They had us come in and gave us a very brief overview. Um, the stakeholders of the company, none of them are technologists. They don't they don't understand technology thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Most of them were pretty new to the organization. So they gave us as much context as they had, which wasn't a lot. Most of them had been there under a year at the organization. There was a couple key people, some of the founders and key individuals, but they brought us in and gave us a high level overview. They asked us to do a gap analysis on the system just to understand what was going on. Part of the problem that they had is there wasn't any backwards communication from their dev shop. So they had no idea where things were. They were told continually that it was ready to go. Yeah. Almost done. Yep. Yep. Almost done. We're ready to go. There's no issue. We're waiting on you is Mm -hmm. in effect what they were told. Right. Because I think part of this change was that they are moving most of their content into a CMS system or a content management system so that this company could then go in and change text. They could change pictures. They can change whatever they wanted on the pages without having to go back to a, a, a dev shop or these developers to make those changes, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It was the, the original, uh, I guess, guidance and instruction was to build and architect the system in a way that marketing could in effect control these otherwise static pages. Right. As an e-commerce site is for the most part, pretty trivial until you get into attribution and shopping cart. Right. right. So. And I remember they gave us a URL to go to, which was essentially their sandbox site that was, hey, come to this site and and check out where it was. And we pulled it up and it, I think it failed to load multiple times. We got the infinite redirects and infinite redirects. It was not, didn't look like a polished product at all. It was not responsive, meaning you couldn't go from a desktop browser all the way down to a mobile phone. It just definitely did not look completed near it. And that's, that's kind of our first introduction to them. And so they hired on Red Sky Engineering to do, like you're saying, a gap analysis. And I think we spent about a week on it. Yeah. Yeah. It was about a week of a pretty thorough deep dive Mm -hmm. just off of that dev site, because that's all of the information that we really had. Yeah. I think we were given access to their source code or or some access to that and and some access in their database. And we're able to kind of look through that, but I guess, tell us what the results of the gap analysis was. Yeah. As you could imagine by the initial description, it was, it was pretty terrible. Mm-hmm. They certainly were not ready. They were close to being deployed. It was not done by any stretch of the imagination. They had massive 
images being pulled down on your site, on your initial site load. The time to render was, I mean, something crazy. I don't remember specifically what it was, but pretty substantial. Right. Lighthouse scores were 20%. Yeah. Lighthouse, lighthouse, meaning the Google has an extension that you can actually have in the Chrome browser go and kind of pull down the site and see, is it meeting, you know, speed requirements? Does it have a lot of data that it has to download? Is it meeting accessibility? So, you know, people that are having, you know, vision problems or, or you know, the accessibility readers. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So they were pretty, pretty bad across the board. So we did that analysis of everything of the site, the responsiveness, the images, the code, the cleanliness of the code, the quality, what there, I spoke with it. So I did the gap analysis myself. I spoke with the active dev shop, trying to understand their processes and how, how they actually developed pieces. And there, there unfortunately were no processes. Yeah. The developers were kind of ad hoc. There were, they weren't consistent. They didn't understand the project from a high level. They were just handed a list of tasks every week. They used a kind of antiquated system for managing and running a development cycle on a project process mm -hmm. that was, it was pretty, pretty lacking. So, yeah. So needless to say, the gap analysis came back pretty poor. Yeah. I think our initial results was that we would, we, that red sky could come in and basically get this ship sailing right and have this delivered. But I think it was six to eight weeks or, or possibly eight weeks out from delivery. And that was with, you know, a number of key assumptions that, that would be made, you know, on, on the, their side, right. You know, and the budgets was obviously higher than they originally expected. And I think the first response we got back is, well, why should we do this when they said that they're done? <laughs> That's exactly what was said, you know, almost verbatim, I believe. Mm -hmm. And our, our response was, well, you look at the site where it's at and tell me, do you think it's done? Right. Yep. So, yep. They were. And obviously the immediate response was, it's not done. Yeah. They didn't necessarily know where to go mm -hmm. from there. Right. For them specifically, they were bringing on a partner who was more technology sound mm -hmm. and wanted to wait for his evaluation. Right. We kind of did. So. Yep. Yep. And so that new person was hired on. I think they spent a couple days in there and they immediately realized what we had been seeing, that they're nowhere near done that there's a lot to, to get done. And this timeline, I think they wanted to have it kind of really launched to their clients that they're telling, you know, in three weeks. And he was just saying, I, it's just not going to happen. Right. Yep. So we were able to rescale expectations and they decided to hire on Red Sky Engineering in conjunction with this other dev shop, since they, they're the ones with the domain knowledge, but they, they just said, Hey, we got to get this going. We got to get this out there. And so they, they hired us on. Tell us kind of about some of the staffing. Yeah. So it, it was really interesting, um, with the, the staffing requirements for this project. So one of the nice things with the development shop is we can rapidly scale up, scale down, adjust, bring in whatever really level of expertise we want. So with this project, the immediate need was to get something done as quickly as possible. So right out the gate. We knew we needed to throw on some more senior developers, help accelerate things as quickly as possible, understand the code base, understand the requirements, the architecture, what needed to happen. So out the gate, we threw on four developers, a composition of seniors and mid-level developers. 
really take it in and deliver as quickly as we could something. We had full-time QA, I, I believe one and a half QA personnel, and we had some administrative oversight mm-hmm. in conjunction with the technology partner that they had brought in to really help drive what the business needed. We also had a full-time designer that worked off of some pre-done designs. You yeah. I remember the details on that. Yeah. And this one was kind of interesting where that they had hired an outside design firm to make the initial designs and they look great, you know, mm-hmm. but as you know, when you're developing a project, requirements change, they, they start getting implemented. There's questions about what can happen here. And so we needed to provide a designer that was kind of more UI UX centric and that can make kind of on the fly changes. And it, it so happened that, that we had one available and, and was able to pull that off. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome actually. So long story short, we iterated pretty rapidly on this initial site build mm-hmm. and it was seven weeks, I think from the time we started working on it to getting a product launch. Yeah. And that's going from a complete disaster. Right. Yep. Absolutely. And. Product launch is kind of interesting too. We've all been around in a number of different product launches and, and sometimes you, you launch that day and it's chaos. And the first request is, Hey, roll it back, you know, get, go back to the old system until we work out some of these systems. Cause we didn't have a huge kind of beta testing cycle. If I remember correctly, there wasn't in this project, time. no, there yeah, wasn't any time it was just get it. it out there, get it done. We'll fix it on the fly. And surprisingly, we actually did pull it off. We never had a rollback to the old code set. I think there was only a few major kind of bugs that were there, but not enough to, to kind of su- shut down the system. Right. And so, yeah, yeah, we had six, six or seven bigger bugs, mm-hmm. but nothing that was catastrophic in any way. And we were able to adapt and get those, get hot fixes rolled out really quick. Same day mm-hmm. pushed out and really we resolved everything that day which was really surprising. We, we were anticipating a week to two weeks of kind of triage on a, on a more scaled down team so we could continue working on the actual features that they wanted. Obviously with the deployment we had to, and that short timeline, we had to scale down their initial expectations right. to hit the timeline. They needed to deliver something. They were already multiple months yeah. behind the production deployment that was supposed to happen. So, yeah. so the title of this episode is Why Hire a Dev Shop? And so in, in your kind of words, what is kind of one of the first reasons why they might want to hire a, a dev shop? The, the flexibility, the ability to be able to rapidly spin up and spin down a development team is invaluable. I mean, you can immediately have subject matter expert that day and then use them as much as you need and turn them off mm-hmm. and that's it. Yeah. And so in this case of this story we just shared with you, you were able to kind of rapidly put a number of people on the team where normally if that company had just said, well, let's open up some job recs, go out and hire and, and go with that. They would have definitely missed any timelines that they were even close to having. Absolutely. Right yeah. Yeah. I mean, just to hire a, a person and vet somebody to know that they're worth their salt mm-hmm. is a pretty, pretty daunting process. It takes a long time to get those right people. Right. The ramp up time on the tech stack, the ramp up time on the business requirements and knowledge, it takes, it takes a lot. So being able to, to really just flip that switch. Pour on the gas, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yep. 
And then after the launch, right, you're able to scale back down. Absolutely. We, so we scaled down to a more of a maintenance team and management team. So we have a senior developer on the project and a mid Mm -hmm. that are continually working on it. We didn't have to cannibalize anybody. There was no layoffs. There was nothing like that because they hired us to do it. And we have the diversity to be able to put people on, pull people off, reallocate whatever we need. We also have a part-time designer still on for any of the business changes. They continually want business changes of stakeholders. Yeah. They want their opinions to, to count, which totally makes sense. And it always happens. Yeah. We have recently, actually, they asked us to take over project management on it as well. They were very impressed with the processes that we've put in place. Mm-hmm. So part of, part of being able to meet that original timeline was trying to take some extreme ownership over the project. So we immediately came in, changed the branching strategy. We changed the repository strategy. We changed the commit process, the code reviews. We substantially overhauled the lack of systems and processes that they had before. Which there were no code reviews. Yeah, there yeah. was not. Yeah. It was, it was wild west. Mm-hmm. There was no branching strategy. Everybody just committed right to master. I mean, it wasn't even master. It was some Jeff's branch or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. yeah. It was some arbitrary mm-hmm. naming convention that made no sense. So it made it very difficult to get into the project. So as you know, software is, comes in many different forms. There's lots of different languages out there, lots of different technologies. So how is it that a dev shop can kind of manage all those different things, the different technologies and be able to jump in so rapidly. It, it really comes, I mean, as you know, it comes from the dynamic of having, having a broad range of subject matter experts. Mm-hmm. So we have people that are experienced in PHP, C sharp and ASP.net, JavaScript, node, react, TypeScript, a, a wide breadth of technology, C C sharp, right? There, we cover a lot. Mm -hmm. So regardless of what the requirements are from whether it's a new project and they require a specific stack for some business reason, whether it's an existing project, you know, you can really throw the right assets and resources against the problem. Right. So there's no ramp up time to the semantics of the language. Yep. And one of the nice things I think that comes with a dev shop is that you have these kind of core teams of people that just jive really well with each other. And so I think in this example, we were able to take a team that had already been working with each other, that they knew each other's cadences. They knew how, how to work and communicate with their teammates and throw them on as a team rather than just, you know, randomly draw straws and who gets the short stick to go on this new project. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And the nice thing too, with that is you don't just get the value of that team. You get the value of the entire shop. Right. So if you have a database question, we can go ask our database experts. Mm-hmm. If you have an architecture question, you can go ask one of our senior architects. There's, there's really a, a real depth of resource that you get as well. Mm-hmm. Not just from your core team is you get the asset of the entire shop. It's, it's really valuable. Yep. So as we talked about this company, I mean, their alternatives was hire a dev shop and speed this to completion or hire internally, we talked about that there was basically no ramp up time to just get it going. You know, I think the, the people that came onto this project were making contributions first day, you know, doing commits, getting code pushed, working with their, their team at, at this company, right? They didn't have to bring on any project managers. They didn't have to bring in 
you know, in-house designers because they were able to leverage the dev shops resources there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and part of the, part of the advantage to that is instead of bringing people on in-house and having that additional burden mm -hmm. that you have to figure out what to do, you have to figure out how to manage, you know, dev shops, we have already figured out a lot of that. Yeah. We know how to manage this because this is what we do and kind of who we are yeah. from a end-to-end -end process, QA, dev, design, you know, project manager, whatever those are. Yeah. The, the company didn't have to have that expertise. Right. So they just outsourced it. Okay. So I'm going to play devil as advocate here just for a second. And as the story started off, they had been working with a different dev shop, right? And they brought in Red Sky Engineering to kind of save the day and, and fix a lot of their problems. So what are some of the key things that they should be looking for when, you know, looking to hire a dev firm? There's, there's a lot of pieces that go into finding the right dev shop, in my opinion. A lot of it is what is their kind of their continual training process with their developers. So, I mean, anybody who's been exposed to development in any way or technology in any way knows it's growing rapidly. Mm -hmm. There has to be continual learning. Now you can leave that up to the individual developers, which have to figure it out on their own time and what to study and what to focus. But understanding what that organization, what that, that development firm does right. for their process, or if they even have a process for it is, is kind of paramount. So for us, for example, we have an internal training course. We actually call it Red Sky University, mm -hmm. where we put our developers, whether regardless of experience level, we put them through a, a kind of a training curriculum and have assets and resources and almost a development roadmap for their careers and their skill set. So to me, that's a very important thing, particularly in the world of development. You have to continue to learn mm -hmm. and finding an organization that understands that and puts an emphasis on that is pretty important. So now I think at Red Sky, we do something quite interesting that the listeners out there might want to know is we have kind of a, a ranking system, you know, and we try to gamify it a little bit in the sense of, you know, you, you typically have your junior, your mid, your senior level developers and stuff. And everybody's always asking like, well, why am I not considered a senior or what can I do to become a mid-level when I'm a, currently a junior? We've actually kind of went and recast classified the, the, the ranking system into kind of more of a role-playing game, right? And so you have your iron rankers, your gold, your silver, your bronze, your diamond at the top kind of thing. And and that there's actually a path that they can take to actually level up essentially through that, through a, a developer roadmap, you know? And yep. so we have laid out key technologies, key understandings that they have to achieve and prove that they've achieved these things and they get experience points, right? Yep. And then with those experience points, they actually level up from, you know, the bronze to the silver. And with that, you know, possibly their, their pay increase and their their capabilities of being on more interesting projects as well. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So obviously developers were kind of nerds. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, I'm a developer. I can say that. Okay. Mm -hmm. So um, gamifying it is, is a fun way to, to kind of present this process. So for us, we, I mean, I love it. I think it's awesome. You know, we have the character sheet for individuals who have their certain experience and where their classification is, where their strengths are, what their knowledge base is. Um, 
Yeah. So just like you said, it, it, it's a, it's a fun way to kind of present it versus, oh, well, you're a type one right. or a tier two developer. Like, cool. What does that mean? The nice thing about that character sheet too, is it shows their skills. And so you get a new hire on and they're trying to find out, well, who's a database expert or who's somebody that can help me over in this technology. They can look at the, the number of different character sheets and know who to kind of direct some of their questions to. Yep. Right? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Part of that is as well, just kind of on that same thread is we put in a mentoring process as well mm -hmm. for us. Again, I, th I think this just goes into the education of onboarding new people. There's always a ramp up time. We just incur that cost versus the other company, yeah. which is the real advantage of a dev shop. But we always try to pair, pair a new developer with a mentor right. to help them understand, you know, our classification process, the games, the, all of that stuff that we try to do some of those internal Right. company ceremonies and stuff. So well, I know we got off on a tangent there, but what's, so another question that they might be asking a, a dev firm when they're interviewing them is what is their hiring process? You know, why is that an important question? Yeah. As I mentioned before, hiring the right people, it, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of experience too. You've hired a lot of wrong people as well to really kind of figure that stuff out. So hiring the right people is really important. So the processes can vary quite a bit. I know I've seen several over, you know, my career, we've tried several mm -hmm. different processes. Do you want to point out a few that you've come across? So one hiring process that I've seen that I think was kind of foolish was another company that would hire out only people that were part-timers in college still. And basically the, the thought process there was, Let's get them as cheap as possible. Let's just throw a bunch of monkeys at code and, and then, you know, maybe something will stick. Our hiring process here has been, let's really vet out. Let's actually take time, hire the right person. Let's put them through a couple of coding challenges, give them some homework. And I know we're going to dive into this on future topics. And so we'll save that for there, but we have a very thorough hiring process and that's what you should be looking for when hiring a, a dev shop. Yeah, absolutely. What about communication? with the client, how, how is, how is that? Is that something that they should look for? Well, that is absolutely, I think one of the most critical pieces, and that's going to be one that's going to be hard to pull out in, in an initial interview. Everybody says that they have the best intentions. You know, I've heard from other people that we've talked to other clients that we had where they worked with other dev shops and they said, oh yeah, we do all the agile methodology. We do sprints. He, he they told us they had one sprint meeting ever for the entire project and that was it. And so having that, those communication touch points are super critical. At Red Sky Engineering, we have daily standups and we always invite one of our clients to, to join that. And it might not be that the highest level stakeholder in the company, it might be one of their assistants, but it needs to be somebody that can make authoritative decisions or be somebody that's responsible enough to go out and get the answers and report back with those decisions because it could roadblock the developers as they're trying to get work done. And so you want to have that rapid response. And so that's why we've stuck to daily standups as our kind of our, our cycle of communication. Then we have a number of meetings that we'll, we'll kind of illustrate later on. Yep. Yeah. It's the, the process and cycle can vary. I don't think it's necessarily the, should be a, a predominant factor in the decision, but it's important to know what you're going to get, I think. Right. Whether you have a waterfall methodology or you file, file, follow the agile or scrum, 
or, you know, whatever that process kind of looks like the TDD, whatever you're going to get a different experience, but the communication loop, that feedback loop has to be sound and solid. Mm -hmm. And that from our experience has been the, one of the biggest gripes and complaints that people have. And it's also why I think most of the projects that people farm out to dev shops fail, right? Because they have no idea what's going on. And if you don't have an, an active feedback loop with the client, how can you know exactly what you're going to build, what changes business changes every day. So those requirements are going to change every day. You know, I remember, I remember this one client that we were asked to, to bid on a project and we were late to the game. They had eight other dev shops that they had asked to bid on it, but we found out later on that we were their second choice. They just had already began the movement. They already signed documents for the first dev shop. And it was, it was a short, like three week project, just build a little kind of leaderboard dashboard thing. Mm -hmm. And they signed with the company, never heard a word. And it was already a week late. And when we talked to them again, they said, yeah, we still haven't heard from them yet. You know, and that's kind of the key of, of having these, these, this closed feedback loop, you know, yep. Yep. really understanding what that is at the beginning. Yeah. Just like you had said, people are going to tell you best intentions. We do all of these great things. We follow all of the processes. Mm -hmm. You can really see that in a lot of the presentation and the way that they conduct and speak right. about their process. So another question might be, what are their specific areas of expertise? And what do I mean by that? You know, yeah, for this, I think it's, at least in my opinion, are they focused in web technologies? Do they focus on hardware, right? You're going to get different experiences with those different types of dev shops. You need to understand who is experienced in what. If you have a, a vast knowledge of e-com, for example, you're probably going to have a lot of answers to a lot of the nuances and issues that come up with dealing with payment processors and inventory and warehouse management and order fulfillment and attribution and all of these pieces. So understanding what kind of vertical the group plays in predominant will play a pretty big role, I think. Right. So, yeah, there are a number of, of dev shops out there that solely focus on WordPress sites, you know, just static sites, just getting them up and just spinning out as, as many as they can. There are some dev shops like Red Sky that has a wide breadth of technologies and have done really challenging, complicated stuff. And to be honest, you know, if somebody just came and said, hey, I just need a static site and do that. I know Red Sky is way overqualified for that. And we would just refer them off to a, a different dev shop. You know? Yeah, it's, it's not for us. It's not the compelling thing. We like the highly complicated, highly complex, highly involved systems that are really challenging, but really fulfilling mm -hmm. when accomplished yet. It, it really depends. There are plenty of dev shops that just build static sites. It, you need to know what they do or you're not going to have a successful experience. So I think one of the last, but probably not the least important kind of question is where's the location of their team, whether they're in house they're whether they're fully virtual, they're offshore, meaning they're outside the United States on, you know, other time zones, you know, on the other side of the world or near shore, meaning they could be in South America and, or, uh, you know, Canada and stuff. And so why is that question important? Yeah, it, for me, it's important in a lot of factors. So back to the, the original story that we kind of started off with working with this other team, they were, their, their composition was fully virtual and they had a wide distribution of people on, on shore 
They had people over in Europe. They had a, a wide range of people. That can be an advantage because you can have people working while other people are sleeping, potentially, mm-hmm. assuming that your communication is dialed in, your processes are That's dialed a big in. Big assumption, yep. Absolutely. It's a massive assumption and not a, not a safe one to make in any case. But it's important because it, it kind of feeds back into a lot of these other things. What is the training process? What is the communication process? How do, how do they hire? How do they vet? How do they curate this team and this level of experience? So a lot of people tend to have bad experiences with dev shops and what they get with dev shops is a bunch of people located usually here in the U S and they outsource offshore somewhere in India or Pakistan or somewhere like that in the Middle East that have, they just throw a bunch of people against the code. There aren't formal processes. There aren't, there isn't any technical oversight that needs to happen. They just throw a ton of people at it and they just get what they get. Mm -hmm. So it's important to understand, I think in the composition as it speaks to the quality of what you're going to get, typically the offshore versus near shore versus in-house there's a, a pace pay range, right? Mm-hmm. Things are more expensive, things are cheaper in, you know, in different aspects, but the advantage is the quality of what you get, the technical oversight, the, the training processes, the curation of that team, the communication, not just with the client and understanding and making sure everybody's on the same page, but the communication internally, each person on the project needs to understand what's going on, who's working on what piece, you know, things like that. So. To me, it plays a, a pretty important piece in the overall composition and expectation of what you're going to get. If you want something that's going to be a little hacky and hard to maintain, right? You have to know what you're getting into. So for me, for us at Red Sky, we hire in-house, we keep in-house. We don't do offshore. We don't do near shore. Everybody's in-house so we can make sure that the quality that the, the education that the communication is all on point. Absolutely. Well, I hope this story and these tips were useful for you. This has been another dev shop story about why to hire a dev shop. Thank you for listening. Thanks Tanner for coming on. Absolutely. Thanks Josh.